Welcome. Today, we are going to be talking about how to make six figures in your music business as a DIY artist. So grab a pen and paper because you are not going to want to miss this. Johnny, Johnny, are you there? I think I'm in the wrong podcast. Johnny? I I, I didn't hear anything. (laughs) Welcome to the club. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're gonna need, plain and simple, to climb up that ladder in today's music industry. They're not gonna do it for you. They're not gonna pull you up. You're gonna have to have a track record to get everything that you think you want. And then believe me, by the time you get the leverage going, you're gonna be conflicted about that record deal. You're gonna be conflicted about the management deal. You're gonna be conflicted about all the people that are gonna come out of the woodwork to wanna help you. But it starts with leverage first. That's why we called it the climb, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxter-nym from my boy, my co-host, my good friend, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple number ones last year as well. Congrats uh-huh. to you. And you. Uh, what I love about Brent is he's all about helping you, the songwriter, by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, which is where a lot of them just fail. And then at the end, you're always getting opportunities to be connected with the pros to either create that relationship if you're ready or take a deep, hard look and see what the competition looks like right now. See what the better songwriters are looking like so that you know where that bar is set and you can go get that. All right. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Donnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's complicated, but thankfully, you know, Johnny's smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs just to name a few. You can find Johnny at daredevilproduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D, unless there's that other voice. I don't think that's another Johnny D. Are you hearing voices in your head? Often, often. It's that inner dialogue we talked about couple weeks ago. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, hey, man, today uh, we have got the fabulous, always absolutely fabulous Lindsay Kirkendall on the show with us. And she is a professional artist coach. And we are going to talk with her about her program. It's telling DIY artists how to get to six figures. So you're going to want to hang on to this. But before we do that, let's take care of a little business. As always, we are super grateful to be on American Songwriter Magazine's podcast network. If you're a climber, when we migrated to the podcast network, because we were one of the flagship shows to launch that, Mm -hmm. then go check out some of those other shows, guys. There's some other great stuff. And there's like 15 other shows on there that are really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. And if you found us through the podcast network welcome to the climb man (laughs) but hey um we want you to join the climb community this is a thriving growing community there are no tumbleweeds in this community at all Uh or people shouting into a corner and praising themselves this is all really smart people in there and exchanging ideas hooking up co-writes having success with hooked up co-writes and uh, is that how i forgot the name of the girl that wrote the request um oh uh tracy Richard. Is that how Tracy found uh, Kutcher? 
Yeah, yeah. She in the clown uh, community. So if y'all remember, a couple of weeks ago we did a uh, song title challenge for a title called "The Request." And so yeah, Tracy was listening to it. She's a climber, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I got to find this Craig guy," and she found him. So yeah, two climbers finding finding musical harmony. <laughs> people climbers who need climbers are the most beautiful climbers. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you got to ask to be let in, but we let everybody in. There's just a couple rules. Don't be a jerk and put your self-promotional posts where they're supposed to go. We got places for you to put them. We but do. It's more about a community of helping each other. This isn't your audience. Like this, <laughs> these people aren't going to buy your damn CD. Right. <laughs> But they can help you write a better song to put on that CD, and they can help you share marketing ideas on how to make sure people hear that CD once you uh, write the better song and you record it, right? That's right. Speaking of uh, kind of self-promotion, every Wednesday we have our New Heights segment in the climb community. So it's where we encourage you to celebrate with us your wins, share those wins with us so we can celebrate with you. I'm just going to share just a couple of these. Uh, Let's see. Randy England said, got another great co-writer lined up at my round last night. Strong artist that I'm excited to work with. So awesome, Randy. Good luck with that. Let's see here. Bill O'Hanlon says, got three more songs signed to sync libraries in the past week. I have completed writing 34 songs this year already ahead of last year's pace. Bill writes a lot of songs. If you can't do the math yet. Yeah, he was he was texting me that the other night. I reached out to him about a couple of book sources for another client of mine, uh, book printing sources. And he was telling me that. I was like, damn, you're a vulgar display of prowess. He's, he's, he's putting in some hours, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. And uh, let's see, last one. Sunday Joe Graham said, did another co-write with a hit Southern Gospel writer. Honored she deems me a good enough writer to work with. So I take it as a high compliment, as well you should, Sunday. So that's yeah. awesome. Killer. So that's what's going on in the climb community. So please uh-huh. come on and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get it on. I mean, we're everywhere. So wherever you like to consume podcasts, you can find us there. I'll be watching you. <laughs> that sounds like crazy. But uh, and then finally, the most important guys, tell a friend about it. If you're spending this much time with us and we are so grateful for that, we absolutely appreciate that. And but it means we're, we're providing some value to it. Tell somebody else about it. Let them know. If we tell them we're great, it's 50% true and we're obnoxious. If you tell them we're great, it's 100% true and you're cool, right? That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's welcome Lindsay to the Climb Show podcast here. Hi, Lindsay. Woo! Hey, Lindsay. Hey. <laughs> back. Hey, Lindsay, before we uh, before we, we get in knee deep here, why don't you just give a little background about who you are, where you came from and what got you to the artist coach thing. And, and Lindsay and I, if you haven't seen some of the live webinars we've done, we're working on we've worked on a number of different projects already together with some of Lindsay's artists and Lindsay's working with some of my artists. So I love Lindsay and I love her brain. This is going to be a great show because she's on the mothership with me, a very, very small group of people who are really trying to crack the code on how to break an artist on digital. Yeah. And so we come up with some crazy stuff, man. And and sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes it does. And I think we're going to share some of that today and just kind of talk about that. So, Lindsay, who are you? Who's your mother? Well, first of all, I have to say, you know what I love about you, Johnny, is that you are always saying how much you love my brain. And it is I not do. to be, it's not to be overly gentlemanly either. Like it's really, it's an honest statement. And I'm not used to men saying, like, I, I've never heard any other man say that. I really love your brain. Like, wow. That's cool. <laughs> well, you're welcome. But I do. I mean, well, I, there's always something cool coming out of that mouth of yours. <laughs> and so when you talk, I listen. 
except for when I talk over you on my podcast. (laughs) That's probably going to happen a lot today. (laughs) Yeah, get used to it. I am used to it. I'll just talk to you back, so in good company. Um, But yeah, who am I? So I, um, as you mentioned, I'm a music business consultant and an artist coach. I'm also an artist myself. I'm a mom. I'm a wife to a music producer, videographer, photographer, all-around content creator and artist himself. Shout out to Dustin. Yes, shout out to Dustin. And um, yeah, so we've always been in this lovely, if you want to, I'm air quoting when I say that, um, situation where we've got two very creative people that also wanted to have a family. And we never spent any time in our entire almost 15 years of marriage having consistent income. <laughs> right. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. Where I, because I'd spent for the last decade, I have spent stints working on the corporate side of the music industry. I've worked at music magazines. I've worked as an editor. I've worked for management companies. I've worked for Sony doing radio. Like there's been a lot of different roles that I've played, but that was never at the same time as my husband doing anything in the corporate W2 tax ID world, you know? So we Mm. always had really inconsistent income. And one of the things that we also knew we wanted to do was have a family. And we also still wanted to be able to pursue our creative interests. And like, how do you do all those things? Right? Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, it seems insurmountable. And so I I can't commiserate with that at all. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get it. It's a lot. Brent beat you. He's got five. Five kids (laughs) and a wife that stays home. He started started with two, but that wasn't enough. So they imported three from China. (laughs) Oh, Yeah, I would would totally have five. Like, totally would have five because I'm nuts. Um, (laughs) That that is a requirement. (laughs) If you're before, you will be about six months into it. If it's not a requirement, it's definitely an outcome. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) True. Truth. Um, but so anyway, we were always going, okay, how do we create a, a life that allows us to do all of the things? Cause we're just the type of people that we're not interested in settling into the status quo. Like we just would die a slow soul death if we had to, you know? And so I was lucky enough when I first had my first corporate job in the music industry, it was right after the crash of 08, it was about 2010 mm-hmm. working for a music magazine. And I was really able to get this beautiful digital marketing education that was very unexpected. And I was able to see because the magazine that I was working for had a number of other titles that were both in print and digital, and they had large email lists. And I was seeing like what was possible when you could monetize or when you could build first, build an audience around a central theme and then monetize them. And of course, by that time, it was like, again, it was 2010 artists were waking up to the fact that a record deal was not going to be the end all be all for their careers. Mm -hmm. And they were starting to look at other ways of doing things. And because my role was largely doing marketing consulting for independent artists at that job, I was getting asked all the questions and I was like, I can't really you know, ethically tell you that going and getting a record deal is going to be a good idea for your career. And I was also seeing what this particular company was able to do with their digital audiences. And there was just, it was, it was mind blowing. So I just started to go, why aren't artists doing this? This seems so obvious. Like why artists don't need a middleman. They have direct access to their fans via social media. Why aren't they just building an audience and monetizing it and then building their own business? And, you know, then they're in complete creative and financial control. 
Mm-hmm. They don't have, or and if they want to have a team, they're still in control of hiring who they want versus going the label traditional route where the team is chosen for them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I fell into a coaching and consulting role is because it gave me the time freedom to be at home with my kids and do the mom thing. It gave me the time freedom to still do some creative projects on the side. And then I also get to do the other thing that I really, really love, which is serving artists and helping them see the forest for the trees, really, and what's possible in their businesses in this day and age. Are you still focused mainly on the female genre or we work together on Curtis Brawley's yeah, um, I, um, stuff. And so you're like working with him for a little bit. I but... love that you call it a female genre. Like, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that was like, that was the wrong word. Genre, um, gender. Gender. Female. That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do work with men. I actually just brought on a new male client as of two or three days ago. Um, I love working with men, but from a marketing perspective, um, and we talked about this on the last episode that we did together. It's just, I don't like to market to men. I'm a woman. I like to talk about things that are relevant to females and being a creative and being an artist in the music industry as a female and as a mom. And it's interesting. I was just on a clubhouse conversation earlier today, and there was another woman on there that lives in the UK, mom of two. And she was just talking about how so much of marketing has been, it's, it's so uh, masculine in the music Mm -hmm. industry. It's very heavy on the masculine. And so for me, in order for me to like put my money where my mouth is and put proof in my own pudding and to be able to show people like, Hey, this is how you can quickly scale a business that creates time and financial freedom you really have to be speaking to a niche. And I was not motivated to just talk about general music business stuff. I was really motivated to talk about things as it pertained to a female's experience in the music industry or a mom's experience in the music industry. And it makes it a whole lot easier to build a business when A, you want to show up and create content and connect with people around themes that you're passionate about talking about, but also... You know, we always say like, can I say bitch on this? Sure. You just did. (laughs) (laughs) There are certain things you can't say. (laughs) Um, No, we always say like the riches are in the niches, bitches, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I want a t-shirt that says that. That's great. We monetize that one. That's Uh, a product. Yeah. Like, so for me and my own personal brand, it makes more sense for me to market to females, but I I do love working with men as well. Right. Well, I knew that, you know, it was an intentional focus. So I just wanted to kind of explore that a little bit. But so right before we press the record button here, you had said something I thought was pretty profound. And what did you say when it came to artists being business owners? Yeah. Yeah. Artists are traditionally especially artists that go to school, like higher level education, collegiate education, artists that go to school, they're taught music. They're taught more music. They're taught how to be better musicians. They are not taught anything about business. Now they might learn about the music business, Mm -hmm. but they're just learning how that particular business model functions, which in the, again, in this day and age for a DIY independent artist is not necessarily relevant to their career trajectory certainly becoming less and less relevant right. to their career. So, um, like I mentioned, we, I, was, I was in a clubhouse conversation right before we jumped onto this. And one of the artists that was on there, we were opening it up just like live hot seat coaching Q&A. And she was like, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and all the things. 
And yet she's like, I still, I don't know how to get to that six figure number. I don't know where the money is supposed to come from. And I said, well, I think that fundamentally we don't know how to get there because we haven't approached it like a business owner. We haven't actually sat down and thought, okay, I'm going to devise a plan to hit six figures. We just do all the things that we're quote unquote told to do by what we're seeing is done in the traditional music industry model. And we're crossing our fingers, hoping that something hits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Hold on. Let's just ponder that for a second, because understandably the smart person is going to reverse engineer the way they've been marketed to. And so that becomes a huge hangup, right? Because, I mean, you've got, uh, and, and you've got to go back and listen to this, Lindsay, a couple episodes ago, Brent um, did a whole show on his conversation with an excuse maker online. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. And so people start making excuses like, well, if you, I mean, if you can't even figure out how to get into a recording studio or find your neighbor's dog walkers, third cousin's half brother's best friend who's got a, a Pro Tools rig and a couple mics, then we can't help you. Not business for you. <laughs> yeah, this isn't, maybe this isn't your gig. Yeah. But once you get that out, then what are they doing? They're like, oh, well, I don't have enough money to get to radio or maybe they're not necessary. I mean, they are making excuses. What am I saying? I'm not going to give anybody a pass, but they're hitting up against, well, it can't be done unless you're on a label, Mm -hmm. but it's just that game can't be played unless you're on a label. So what other game can you play that will make money? And some of them, I think, find ways. I mean, we have lots of mutual friends. I'm I'm thinking of Nick Hickman. I'm thinking of uh, Anthony Oreo, who's, Mm -hmm. you know, prior to COVID here, making a good living touring. They're out. They're doing 200 Mm -hmm. shows a year and making money that way. And then they also get stuck in that rut a little bit, don't they? Because that can be a rut if you're not forward thinking. And so I love this conversation for this reason, because you're right. Nobody's you know, sat down and said, hey, you're a business. And when you have a business, you need to do forecasting, right? Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to find revenue streams, find new customers. And you've always got to be doing that because the thing that you have is eventually going to go away, yeah. right? At some point or another. Yeah. So, so what do you do to diversify that? I mean, the biggest, like, so now we're not even talking artist stuff, we're talking business stuff. Yeah. The biggest issue is... I, when I was in the electronics industry, I called on Intel a lot. I worked at a lot of different Intel facilities. And there were just a boatload of companies that orbited around Intel. Mm-hmm. And they did something for Intel. And I'm sure this is true of like you know, a lot of big, big manufacturing organizations like Intel. But that's their only customer. <laughs> right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, wow, a death sentence. Okay. They're not diversified. They're so excited. They're making great money. They've hired all these people. But if Intel decides to do something different, go with a different vendor or the technology changes, hello, and you're the best maker of buggy whips in the new world of gas engines, you're screwed, you know? Yeah. And so, or but that's what, what if you're a country artist and the, only way you have to reach your fans is through radio. And all of a sudden, for some reason, like 800 radio stations say, we can't play your music anymore. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. yeah. Boy, you yep. sure hope there's a, you, know, you can diversify how to reach your fans. 
Yeah. That went from a major label deal to an independent deal freaking overnight. Uh, oh, my yeah. goodness. Um, so I, I just wanted to put that out there. So continue on the conversation, Lindsay, but what are the sort of the building blocks that you're working with with your artists to get them first at a high level at 30,000 feet yeah. to begin to understand that? And guess what also comes with business, being a business person? Marketing. Right. You know, it's not a dirty word, right. okay? And it's not gross, and it's not greasy, and it's not disgusting. And yes, you can do it, even if you don't necessarily like to do it. Right. Because when you're doing the radio tour and you're on the morning show being your best self and singing everybody, you're marketing. Yes, <laughs> That's absolutely. what that is. Yep. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's so interesting, too, and it's very telling about where an artist, where their mind is in their relationship or their approach to their business. Because this same artist actually had asked me in a previous conversation, what's the best way to like increase my visibility without paid ads? And like, that's a fine question. Nothing wrong with it because we all want to know organically, what can we be doing? Right. You need to have mm -hmm. that information. But my first thought was why the resistance to paid ads? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I guess they would be foolish if they didn't ask if there was a free way to get the same results. But. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely want to know that. But my first thought is, ah, that is someone who is still not thinking of themselves in terms of a business owner. Because mm -hmm. no business owner that's really in business that knows that they're a business owner and is there to make money is trying to only find ways to market for free. They're right. looking at like, what do I need in my marketing budget? So I can get my stuff out into the world and people know that I exist, you know? And, and then you're going to create opportunities for free press, you know? Of, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so like, 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 let's, let's take, let's take uh, what, you know, what springs to mind is, is Nabisco with the Oreo cookie thing yeah. that happened during the Super Bowl when we had the blackout in New Orleans. Right. So this is Nabisco. They're a huge conglomerate corporation i don't know what umbrella they're under but um you know they're always paying for ads to, to for you to eat oreo cookies but mm -hmm. then one of their marketing people was a freaking genius the power goes out and if you, i think it was like what was it you remember that brand it was like after 15 minutes or something like that like, something like that yeah, as well. yeah. It, it was crazy and all of a sudden nabisco like, the oreo cookie brand tweets out don't worry you can still dunk in the dark with the graphic yeah and it went viral. They got millions of dollars of free press on that. But if they weren't thinking about marketing to begin with, right. they wouldn't have been able to take advantage of that opportunity, would right. they? Right. right. Yeah, they had to build up a certain level of uh, brand platform for that to go viral if it had been their first tweet and they had one follower. Yeah. Right. And how about this, too? Just knowing which muscle needed to be flexed at that exact moment to take advantage of something like that. If you're not even thinking about the marketing of your business, then you're not. You're not on the field. You're not playing. You're not. Yeah. You, you might not even understand the opportunity if it came and hit you right over the head. Exactly. And if you did understand it, you wouldn't know exactly what to do because you haven't done it. It would be like walking up to some stranger who's never written a song and saying, hey, let's go write a hit song. And they're going to be like, well, I, uh, what? Yeah. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Think, I mean, it's as stupid as that sounds, right? But isn't that kind of the same thing? Like if you're not doing this, then you don't know. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't know, you don't know. Right. Right. 
Yeah. So getting back to the idea of like the building blocks, I mean, that is a really important piece. It's just understanding as an artist, like you really are a business and you're an entrepreneur. Even if you're signed to a label, you're still an entrepreneur and a business and you need to be thinking in terms of that. And so when you go, okay, I'm a business now, what am I selling? Well, most artists have been conditioned to believe that they are selling the product of music. Mm -hmm. And we could go into all kinds of different realms talking about this from a hundred different angles. But I fundamentally believe that you aren't selling music. You're actually selling emotion, you know, and you're selling Mm -hmm. the intrinsic value that you as a human being bring to the world. And again, I think we talked probably a little bit about this on the last conversation that we had. I'm like, when I talk to artists, I'm like, well, if you lost your voice tomorrow and you, your hands fell off and you couldn't play or sing, you would still have value that you could bring to the world and bring to others because of who you are. And so understanding that like the marketing platforms that we have access to, which are social media, you really have to be uh, very savvy at helping people understand the value that you as a human being bring to the world. Yeah. And if you don't know what that is, if all, if all you're thinking is, well, the value that I provide is songs. My husband was telling me the other day, I can't remember who it was. It was like a major label artist, some rock guy. I can't remember who it was, but they were just, Oh, it was Steve. Do you guys know um, porcupine tree, Stephen Wilson? No, um, I've heard of Porcupine Tree. I didn't. I don't know who's in there. Amazing. He's from the UK. He's been around forever. But he was like, honestly, there's too much music in the world right now. <laughs> like there's just such a vast amount of music that it is so hard to sift through as a consumer. You know, like yeah. there's almost no, at least like for myself, when I think of myself as a music consumer, I'm not really discovering a lot of new music unless it's something that somebody I already follow because I like who they are as a person is recommending. And I happen to like the song like that happened to me the other day. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And also, I mean, you're not in the main demographic for discovering new music. That's going to be your typical teenager, early twenties. And that's where all of that happens. We've talked about that in a couple mm-hmm. past episodes too, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's still happening to some degree with radio and like, that's all fine and well, but when you're understanding, okay, like from a business standpoint, how do I make money? You really do need to understand that like marketing your music is not the thing that people always want on social media. You know, no one gets mm-hmm. on Instagram to discover new music. I don't. I've never, I've, when I've asked this question of people, I've never had one person raise their hand and say, yes, I actually, when I want to find new music, I go to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, ever, nobody ever listened to the radio for the purpose of discovering new music either, but, you know, they either directly or indirectly discovered all the new music back in the day yeah. from radio, but that wasn't why they were there. It wasn't why they were there. And also, radio delivered only one experience. It was an auditory experience. Social media delivers multiple different sensory experiences. Yeah. And on that note, like you just touched on something that I got to comment on. You said you're not selling songs, you're selling emotion. Right. Think about, think about how, how profound that statement is. Think about how Spotify judges or not judges describes playlists. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's, it's not kick-ass rock songs. It's 
cool, chill vibe. Right. Yeah. Workout songs. It's it. They, they're dis- they're cr- trying to describe the emotion that this music is going to bring to you, aren't they? Isn't I, that I, that just kind of hit me? And then I was thinking about the radio. Like you know, nobody goes to listen to the radio to discover new music. They want to hear their jam. But what is their jam? It's, it's the dopamine hit it gives them. Like it's yeah. it's the emotion that it gives them. Whether it's punk and I'm pissed off and I got to go bang my head against the wall or whether it's, you know, easy jazz or you're looking for that accompaniment to the emotion that you're feeling right now. Right. And so that's so, oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's another t-shirt. You're not selling music. You're selling emotion, dummy. (laughs) And you're like, okay, well, what emotions am I selling? And the easiest way that I work through this with clients is really asking them like, hey, if you could describe yourself in three words, how would you describe yourself? And the interesting thing that we can drill down to is people will give like, pretty broad terms. I'm creative. I'm emotional. I'm, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but then, and that's all fine. Or I'm smart, but it's like, what's your unique brand of smart? Because one person might be academic and the other person might be street smart or witty or quick, or, you know what I mean? Like once you can really start to refine, like who you are as a person, what's the value that you bring to the table? That really is the thing that informs and inspires your art and your cash flow. So your cash flow. So people that are listening to your music, whether or not you or they are consciously aware of it, they are actually buying into a lot of who you are as a person as much as they are enjoying the song, if they're enjoying the song, of course. Mm-hmm. So so to add to that and to bring it back to corporate business, right? This is a fact that I learned and that I completely understand. But the culture of any company, of any organization, even the biggest, most massive organizations like General Electric, like Intel, the culture is a reflection of the CEO, mm, yeah. of the head of that business. And I can tell you this wholeheartedly. I mean, let's look at um, Chick-fil-A, right? So we have mm. a, a culture there. Those stores aren't open on Sunday. Because you know what? The CEO's a church and he's like, everybody needs Sunday off. And so that's what we're going to do. And that's his values, his beliefs. That's who he is as a person. And so it trickles down to the whole company. I can tell you that when I worked for AmeriQuest in the mortgage industry at the beginning, this is a $36 billion company. And the CEO of that company was shady AF. Okay. And that whole company was shady AF because of it. It allowed for that to happen because he was that way. And so you had a bunch of middle management people trying to do the best they could, you know, not to go to jail on some of the crap that they pulled. And I'm not even kidding. And that each individual was able to do what they wanted to do for themselves. But there was a lot of shady characters in that company. Why only? Only because the CEO was okay with that. Right. You know, and he was shady. So, so what you're talking about as an artist is, yeah, like, you know, who are you? And then what's your company going to look like? And then like one of the projects we're working, do you want to talk about this? Yeah. So I'm really excited about this and we're going to test it out with a daredevil artist and then possibly more of a mid-level artist when we get that chance to make that happen. But Lindsay's come up with this killer idea. We're going to share it with you. But this idea doesn't work 
unless you've done all this work that you're probably rolling your eyes at over the last 20 minutes of the conversation, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, all this like inner stuff, the inner work. Yeah, the, all the touchy feely, whatever you want to call that crap. <laughs> like if you don't know this, then it doesn't. What the, the, then this this other thing does? It's gonna, you're gonna have a harder time. Yeah, opening up the cash registers mm-hmm. because it's oh, the yeah. authenticity of who you are yep. that's going to drive the traffic. Right, and and people. Can- that even through an Instagram post, there's an energy to. I believe that. I really, really believe that. I'm so happy. People put out amazing funnels, amazing advertising from a production perspective that doesn't do crap. And then I've seen people like literally shit stuff out that it's like, it's fine. It's not perfect and sell loads. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the difference in the way that they are energetically approaching it. Yeah. The passion is there. So here's the normal route. And Brent and I were talking about this a little earlier is you go and you get the record deal. You get the big record. You have a couple number ones. You create a million dollar brand name and then you go and you sell the perfume and the clothing line and the whiskey or the vodka and the all the other products happen after that. And people buy those products because your brand is on them and they like who you are as an artist and as a person and they want to be a, a part of that. They want to okay? smell so, like you. Right. So, so they, <laughs> they want to what? Smell like you. So, they smell smell like like you. <laughs> so uh, then Lindsay and I were kind of talking about some different mutual sort of consonant experiences that we had with some artists who had some different ideas on how to do this. I had, I think I spoke about this before in the podcast, but it, it's such a, it was such a good idea. But I consulted with an artist, uh, I don't know, about three, four years ago. She was a pop artist from LA, very, very sexually charged brand name, right? Her songs were sexually charged. She was super hot, always looked like that in the videos. And that was her thing. And she had just because she was a brilliant marketer and was like trying all kinds of different things. 
she did a run of men's boxer briefs. And on the inside flap of the boxer brief, it was a stick shift schematic, right? Yeah. Like, you know, first, second, third drive, overdrive, reverse or whatever. And that product sold out for her. And I don't know why she didn't do more of them. And then you were talking about, tell, tell your story about Jenny Lee. Yeah. So Jenny Lee, I think you said avid, but you used another really funny adjective, like a fanatical gardener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she, um, she's a brilliant, brilliant country artist, like has had a lot of success has been on Nashville as herself. You know what I mean? The TV show Nashville, you mean? Yep. And, yep. uh, and, and is, a, is just a very, very talented musician and artist, but she funnily enough, like, she's like, I get more engagement on my gardening posts than I do on my music. <laughs> and so, um, we kind of started thinking through, okay, what are some merchandising opportunities that we could use to get you into the eyes or in front of the eyes of people that don't know you exist, but that love gardening. Right. Uh -huh. So we, um, were piloting an idea of partnering with an Etsy store that does high-end gardening tools. And then in scripting, she's got a song called Old Oak Tree that is a really beautiful tune. And we were like, why don't we take a lyric and inscript some of that into these gardening tools and then just market them to gardeners because they're beautiful. And they're kind of like something that someone would buy as a really thoughtful gift for a person that they knew loved gardening or whatever, or for themselves, you know, because they're well-made and they have a, a great, like they don't, they might not know that it's a lyric to a song on the front end, mm -hmm. but they resonate with the, the idea or the theme or the message of what that lyric is saying. And so then you've developed not just a customer, but you've also acquired a new fan because then they get dropped into a funnel or a sequence where you share, Hey, guess what? You just purchased this from an artist. Here's some music. Here's my story. Here's what I'm all about. Thank you for being a part of my fan club or my audience or whatever. And it's just, it kind of doubles as a fan acquisition tool as much as it does some income. So let's break down the brilliance of this here. Okay. Because first of all, prior to Starbucks, coffee costs 50 cents. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just let that sink in for a second. Right. Okay. So what's the difference between a 50 cent cup of coffee and a $5 cup of coffee is the story right? Is the yeah. experience. And I was thinking, um, I was just down deep into some Russell Brunson stuff last week. And he was like, in this particular episode he was doing or whatever, I can't remember if it was part of a challenge I was involved in or whatever, but he's like, I I'm going to tell you how I can sell my cell phone for 10,000 bucks. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and we're like, what? And, and, he, and, and damn, if you didn't I've read it, that, he, mm -hmm. it's all about the story. What's in it? Why is it important? Boom, boom, boom. And I, you know, I love to have a cocktail at the end of the night after I'm done working. You all know this. And lately I've been into a couple crazy little stupid things. Like one of them is creating crystal clear ice cubes. And I've spent $60 on things that will do that. And I'm on, I'm on top of that. I'm really good. But like big crystal clear ice cubes because it just was an itch. I figured out I had to scratch. I don't know how, but, um, and I've spent money on that. And then the other thing is a whole podcast episode, like things Johnny does after work. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing, and this is what I'm thinking of. Like lately, I've been getting in. I've been on this for gosh, for months now. I've been on this old fashioned kick, right? Mm. And so I'm making my own old fashions, okay? And I'm using my brother in law's recipe to a certain degree here, and and I love them. And of course, they have cherries in them. So I'm spending a 
ridiculous amount of money <laughs> on effing cherries. Okay, that they're selling jars of cherries for eighteen bucks, and I have bought them. Okay, why? <laughs> why? I, you know, because of the like. Listen, this is you guys. My point in telling you is like, and I'm happy about the damn cherries. Like I, you know, I, I, I couldn't be more excited. I'm happy about my ice cubes. Yeah. Like it, it's awesome. And so here's what's important about this. So it's, it's putting that story on there. It's putting, we talked about, um, and the, I was really disappointed in the unsubscribed shirt, by the way, because it just, it's, it's a janky shirt. Oh. And so I'm not, I'm not happy about that. But yeah. when I did the deep dive on the lighting episode, I found this other source that really had some great information for artists about lighting yep. and how to even light without lights. But below it, at the end of each one of those tutorial videos, the guy's like, don't subscribe to our channel. And he starts mentioning all these other people that are in his space, right? Like Potato mm. Jet and Shane mm. Hurlbut and Boom Boom. And I knew who they all were because I'm on the scent of this lighting thing and I'm going to listen to everybody. And he's like, go subscribe to them. They care about their people. Yeah. We don't. Don't subscribe to us. And it was tongue in cheek and it was really funny. And then below there's a t-shirt that just says one word, unsubscribe. I bought that damn thing for $25. It was 32 <laughs> bucks after delivery or something. But, you know, he could have done a better job of the shirt. Like itself was kind of janky. But my point is that it could be one lyric, one word. And when it's brand consonant, the gardening tools are consonant to Jenny Lee's brand. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, well, this, how, yeah, what if we reverse the get famous first and then sell the product? And we did sell the product first, get smart with e-commerce and use an item that can create a revenue stream right. instantly right. to pay to get you in front of new eyeballs. So worst case scenario, you're putting, you haven't, you better have a promo budget for the love of all the everything that's holy, okay? <laughs> but whatever that promo budget is, now you've extended it because you created a cash flow right away. Exactly. Right? And the thing that like I love about this model, because as an entrepreneur, I'm always looking to solve problems. I'm always looking for solutions. And most of the artists that I've worked with, probably 90% of them are in the classic catch-22 of I'm working a day job to pay my bills, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to make that jump from full-time employee or whatever to full-time musician. And this is the way to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, my esteemed co-host here found himself in that position yeah. uh, a few years ago and you figured out, I want to service people. I want to be in the music industry. I love songwriters. I want to service songwriters. Yep. And I mean, just, Explain that real quick, Brent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so what I do with Songwriting Pro, which is kind of somewhat, I mean, it's it started way back, but there was a period there for a couple of years I had to go do a day job after being in the music business full time, writing with publishing deals and stuff. You know, we mentioned my five kids when it went from zero yep. kids to like one to two and wife stays home and okay, worked at Starbucks and had to go take something full time because uh, those Canadian cuts wasn't quite killing it. So... <laughs> It's amazing. Even having a number one up there is not going to retire you. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was driving around in a truck doing sales calls for a couple of years. And that's when uh, the Lord got me in touch with podcasting. And mm. so I started listening to that because I wasn't in an office. So I was listening to all these quit your job podcasts. Like, how do I get the heck out of this and back into the music business? Which is yeah. a little bit like going, how do I get out of this lifeboat and get back to the Titanic? The brooms are so <laughs> luxurious. <laughs> 
That's a is that a song? <laughs> wow. This no, is brilliant. Songwriter, folks. There we go. Um, but anyway, it's so a t-shirt. How do I get out of this lifeboat and get back to the Titanic? I'm keeping track of these. Like, exactly. Uh, so I started experimenting with, I'd done songwriter coaching and stuff before through NSAI, but just started building yeah. this blog and Johnny and I started podcasting and, and just started serving songwriters. And we had a lot of conversations about how to make that move strategy wise. And, oh yeah. And, and and you know what? None of them. None of the conversations were about songwriting, <laughs> were they? <laughs> no, I mean that that was the thing that was Hello? <laughs> really frustrating because it's like I moved to Nashville to write songs. That's what I love. That's what I think I'm best at. Definitely had the most fun with. But here I am doing these. So basically, like the the podcast, the blog, and everything. Like hopefully that would become the stable platform that I can use to then launch into the back into the creative life where this will replace the day job, but it's in the music business and it will actually feed it. So uh, I was talking about this earlier. It's the it's kind of a, a virtuous cycle where some of the opportunities I'm getting now, even though I've had success in the music business and I'm getting cuts and stuff, but they come through like the podcast or come through the blog yep. or the stuff I'm doing at Songwriting Pro. It, it gives me it gives me another avenue to reach out to pros in the business, whether producers or artist or whatever, go, Hey, let's do this event. You know, yeah. I host this workshop. I'll pay you to come in and you can talk. Yep. And by the way, we're hanging out and you're getting to know me and we can vibe off each other. And next thing you know, we might be writing a song together. Yeah. It's such a brilliant tool. Cause you're right. Like it opens up so many other avenues because you have something of value that is also beneficial to other people in the industry for other reasons. Mm -hmm. you know? So you're not one note. Well, it allows me to come in without asking. It allows me to come in like if there's uh, maybe a publisher that I want to get to know or just want to reconnect with or something. Instead yeah. of just coming in and going, hey, can I play you some songs? It's like, I'm drowning and you're offering me a glass of water. How kind of you. Yes. So <laughs> that's largely how I built my business, too. I kind of backdoored my way into it because I yeah. was like, well, I need to interview so-and-so for this article that I'm doing. And mm -hmm. I just yeah it, and so it was really and people love to talk about themselves <laughs> yeah it's like can you help my community i'll pay you for the time come yeah. into this workshop listen to these songs give feedback and they're like oh yeah great because so many of them do that kind of stuff anyway and so it just it gets me facetime and just that connection keep that uh, relationship warm in a different way without me coming in going hey can i just have some of your time and listen to these songs and it becomes less transactional and they start yeah. to see you as a whole human being instead of again a product as a songwriter mm -hmm. like they are a songwriter he delivers a product that and so they do i think people that are in the industry they can tend to compartmentalize and keep okay well this is what he does even if they don't intend to mm -hmm. that's what he does he's just a songwriter that you know they're, yeah. they're not going to come to you and say hey you know what you're such a brilliant person you should start a podcast Right. No, that yeah. had to come from you. That had to come from your entrepreneurial spirit that needed to find a solution for the situation that you were in. Mm -hmm. And you know, you had the ability to think strategically about it from a business standpoint. And I think that that's just again one of the things that going back to the top of the conversation that artists need to know straight off the hop. Like you are a business. If you don't have any business acumen, then you need to go figure out business coach, you know, mm -hmm. whatever business courses, like figure out business because that's going to serve you far more than more music training will. Yeah. 
Yeah. And my point about when you were still driving the grease truck and we were doing the podcast together, you you were very intentionally, very strategically and a whole lot of blood, sweat and tears and late nights and mm-hmm. early mornings before the kids got up working diligently to make that change so that you didn't have to be in that truck anymore. Yeah. And the conversations that we had, we never talked about songwriting, which is what you were trying to get back to. Right. We talked about business. Yeah. Johnny talked about several ledges. And that's the thing. It took years. And even when we made the jump, it was because we felt the Lord calling us to do it. We didn't feel ready, like financially, but it's, it's worked. And so that was the deal. It's like, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, building a, a blog and a social media platform kind of stuff and start monetizing that does not happen overnight, especially I wasn't an artist. I'm not an artist. I wasn't out there doing that kind of stuff anyway. So it was kind of starting from, Hey, here's this songwriter that you've never heard of. Yeah. You know, starting to talk about this stuff, but yeah, put in the hours and it, it's worked. You I know, which there now, you go. now the songwriting is doing way better because I mean, yeah. I do way more of it. Right. Mission accomplished. And yeah. I think another thing that you touched on too, Brent, was that like you didn't feel financially prepared to take that leap. And that's another thing that I talk to artists all the time that they'll want to get like a free strategy call or whatever, and they'll want to work together. And then I tell them what it costs and it doesn't matter. I could sometimes say it, it's 12 bucks a month and they'll be like, I can't afford that. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so it really is the cost is less relevant to the idea that when you are not thinking in terms of a business, you don't understand risk (laughs) (laughs) and investment of time and or money Mm -hmm. into actually moving your business and career towards a goal because there's still no goal. It's just nebulous. It's like, Hey, I really want to do sync or I really want to tour more, or I really want to increase my exposure. And there's all these like really vague terms that we throw around as artists that have no clear target. And so how do you know if you're getting traction? How do you know if you're being successful? How do you know if Mm -hmm. you can take the risk, even though you don't feel like it's the right timing But you can if you do have a business structure and a goal that you know, well, okay, I'm going to launch this e-commerce product or I'm going to do a course or community group or whatever. And my goal is to make $50,000 this year. If, Mm -hmm. If that's the goal, then you can start to really weigh investments. You can start to weigh, is this a good use of my time? Because you know where you're headed because you're thinking. And you recognize different things you're going to need to get there. Like, okay, there's been multiple occasions just in the last couple of years. Well, in the last, let's say like five years where I've made those choices. Like there was, there was a moment where we were working with an artist and we had a big investor, bank accounts were set up, contracts were drawn up, everything was happening. And when it came time to transfer the money, this, this this MF thought he was yeah. going to move 250 grand into another bank account without his wife knowing, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Unbeknownst to us, uh, that whole thing blew up and we had done a lot of things because this wasn't just a conversation. There were so many pieces of the puzzle that were in place. But as my mom would say, God bless her, it wasn't soup yet and I knew mm-hmm. better. But I made the mistake. And so all of a sudden now I've got a big, big, big cash flow problem. And it was in that moment that I made maybe one of the biggest purchase business purchases I made when I'm like, I, you know, we need to switch from and really get more into digital marketing oh, and be there. able to do this. 
Yeah. I and I spent a yep. boatload of money like that I did not have to spend. Right. Right. Uh -huh. Okay. Right. That was so scary. Okay. And, and I did it bass backwards, so mm -hmm. to speak. Like I went to this live event first, which cost me, I want to say, uh, uh, it was probably like 1500 bucks, including the flight and the hotel and everything in San Diego. And then I bought the course, which is another three grand and it paid for itself in 90 days. Yep. I have literally buying another guitar. Yeah. You were buying something that this is, see, People spend money. Businesses invest it. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, because I'm spending more money now on email, listserv stuff, funnels, you know, hundreds of dollars a month. And, mm -hmm. But I've had to make that mindset shift of, well, this is my this is a business and this is going to actually free me up to, like, do what I love to do. Right. So it's a worthwhile investment. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And so, you know, when you say you can't afford it, right, when that artist says that, you're like, okay, as an artist or as a business person? Right, mm. yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> that you're essentially saying I'm okay with staying stuck for the rest of my life and always yeah. putting the line between don't have enough time for my music but also can't afford to pay the bills with music. So mm. I'm just going to keep doing this. So, Lindsay, you got a program, which is why we kind of started talking about this on the show today, that you want to maybe just sort of give a brief overview of and then tell people how that they can get involved in that if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. So I, over the last several years, have focused on high-level artists and business consulting and coaching, helping artists bridge the gap between where they're at and developing a business that is generating six figures or five figure. I mean, it kind of depends on where the artist is. It's not every, everybody, everybody's unique, but even if you're generating five figures in your business, you have the ability to scale to six and seven and eight figures. If you wanted to, there's always a way to do that, especially when we're putting together a, a structure that allows you to do a lot of deliverable vis-a-vis -vis the internet, you know, things that are maybe evergreen things like e-commerce and a number of other ways to do that. But it's always been on the pricier side. It's not something that's been accessible for every artist. And I really, in 2021, feel like, okay, we've just come through a pandemic. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, artists are losing money. And it, you know, it's not even about a mindset thing as much as it probably is a, a practicality thing. It, not every artist is going to have the money to invest in a high-ticket, high-level mastermind um, or one-to-one or -one coaching. And so I decided to put what I typically teach and coach through a year program with me just into virtual trainings. So an artist can go through all of the same material that they would if they were working with me one-to-one -one inside of a coaching program. So it's called the Six Figure Music Business Plan. And the brilliant thing about it is that it's not just we do cover mindset. We do cover a lot of the things that we talked about at the top of this call. That's like really helping you lay that foundation connection to who you are as a personal brand and as a business, what you're here to do in the world, all of those really fundamental things. And then it really also helps you identify what are the non-traditional revenue streams that exist within this personal brand that existed within this business. And then I'm also pulling in other former clients of mine and other 
business colleagues of mine that have areas of expertise in other realms of the music industry and business or digital marketing. So for example, I have a former client who is a master at helping artists make sure that they're collecting on all the royalties due to them. She went through an experience where she was signed to a record deal that legit was a Ponzi scheme. Oh, Oh my God. Really? Story. And she went this huge legal battle to get all of her intellectual property back. And through that process, found $5,000 hiding in her music business that she would have lost to the black box had she not collected on it. And so she dove into full on research mode, making sure that she was getting everything together. And through our work together, she's actually been invited by CD Baby and Patreon to come host workshops for them. And from CD Baby's mouth, they were like, we have 700,000 artists on our email list. Probably 90% of them do not have their songs registered appropriately. Wow. People need this. So inside the program, you'll also have access to her material. We've got another one of my colleagues who knows how to generate like simple fan acquisition funnels through tools that Some artists may know about, some artists may not, but it's a way to simply get followers on Spotify as well as email or text subscribers in the same go. And it's super simple. And so there are like things that can be done that are a little bit more traditional music industry stuff, like how do I grow a fan base? How do I, you know, do some of these things? She's also really brilliant at helping you rank organically through keyword research on YouTube. So some of those things will be included as well as all of the stuff that I take an artist through to help them design a business and a business structure that not only supports their musical goals, but also what they want out of life as a whole. Because for me, I I don't feel like I'm doing my job. If I just throw a bunch of strategy at the artist and say, here, here's a framework, go do it. And you know, well, if you didn't hit your financial goal, well, don't look at me because every artist is different. Like Brent, you, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not an artist. I'm a songwriter. And you have a particular career trajectory. Yeah. No two artists' career trajectories are the same. I talked to somebody the other day was like, I don't want to tour. I want to have babies. I just want to do music from home. And I'm like, that's cool. You can do that too. You know, mm-hmm. so it really gives you the tools to help identify like what's the value that you bring to the world as an artist. And then how do you build out an actual monetizable product, if you will, quote unquote, or service or offering that you can scale and that becomes passive that that can replace your income. So you can go full-time or it gives you the financial freedom to do what you want to do as an artist and not have to feel so reliant upon the music being the thing that drives the revenue. Cause I think that's where most artists get stuck is they feel like they have to have the music be the thing that's paying mm-hmm. the bills. And for most artists just starting out or maybe even revamping a stale or a stalled career, the music, if you can't tour, isn't going to be the thing that pays your bills. Streaming doesn't mm-hmm. pay your bills. And even if you do want to tour, you're eventually going to want to not tour someday. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just for a season, if you want to stay home because you're having a kid or you break a leg or you want to travel with your mom who's, you know, dying, that's kind of macabre. But you know what I mean? Like there's so many reasons that touring is not a consistent business model and shouldn't be, you know, focused on as heavily as it has. I think that the traditional music business model kind of has focused on it to its own detriment that we've seen over the past year. That's right. Well, one thing I think, and I've talked about this a little bit maybe on the podcast before, is the amount of freedom artistically that kind of having another revenue stream can bring you. Like for me, Songwriting Pro. And I've told people this. It's like one thing I love about doing this as kind of one of my other things is I can go write a bluegrass song 
tomorrow. Yeah. I wrote a, uh, you know, write for like Southern Gospel. I've been writing more of that and getting cuts in that world and stuff. But And number ones. Even having, yeah, even having number ones in there, that's a very different economic outcome than a major country cut. It just is. But I can do that. Because I'm not depending on Kenny Chesney liking my bridge right. to feed my family. <laughs> yes. It, it allows me to go chase the muse more and go, I get a color with all the crayons. Yeah. And if a Southern gospel song gets cut and makes some money, then great. I like all the little pennies that come in. Yeah. And if I get country cuts, that's awesome. Bluegrass, Southern, whatever. I As an artist, as a creative, I'm not tied into that pressure cooker as much. Of going, no, I got to just keep aiming like country single number one, or, you know, I got a bunch of kids that are going to get real hungry. Yeah. Well, and you nailed it because most artists are such multifaceted creatives. They're not just musicians. Mm -hmm. And so what I've found with the women and and men that I've worked with is that when we start to really identify, hey, here are some other ways that we can monetize you holistically as a personal brand, they actually get so excited and they find levels of fulfillment that they didn't know they could find because they've always felt like they've had to be forced into this one very narrow category of, I have to be an artist. I have to write songs that are going to be hits or Mm -hmm. people are going to like or whatever. And like you said, it doesn't allow them to color with all the crayons in the crayon box. And when you're a creative that's as multifaceted as most artists are, you don't, you know, it it just opens up. It's a byproduct. Like it's great to have the cash, but there's this really other beautiful byproduct of getting to have a business that allows you to play with all of the sides of yourself and doesn't force you to amputate parts of yourself because Mm -hmm. you only do music, you know? I can only do this kind of thing because that's what my fans expect. It's kind of like the artists that stuck playing the hits from 30 years ago that they hate. Oh yeah. I got to play it. Yeah. Every night. Yeah, it's a it's a small-minded approach. And if you think about it from it's also misguided, right? Because if you think about it from well, once I get famous, then I can do all this other stuff. Right. Right? And it's just reverse it. Like you need to do all the other stuff while you do your music too. And and you need to know who your brand is, right? Mm -hmm. Because you'll be misguided on your products that way. Yeah. But becoming an expert in e-commerce, okay, and becoming a digital marketing uh, expert, flexing the branding muscle and understanding that is, is paramount to creating a cash flow instantly. Right. And doing that. I mean, there's just nothing now that's keeping you from making that happen. So, um, where do people go if they want to get this this course? This is a cool course. Yeah, we are actually launching it in March. So it is the easiest way to find me and to access all of that juicy information is just to find me on Instagram and DM me. Because like we said earlier, you know, we all as entrepreneurs are expanding into things even when we don't feel ready. <laughs> And I'm doing that as we speak. Like I just (laughs) hired an online business manager for the first time. It's a pretty substantial investment. And I'm like, this makes me a little bit nervous, but I know that it's going to ultimately allow me to be more consistent with content and for me to get this program out to people in a quick, I mean, if it were just me, I'd probably be like, find me in December people. Cause like, (laughs) I've got 
you know? Um, but so <laughs> I, I'm actually working with her as of next week, starting to roll this bad boy out. So the easiest way to find me now is just Instagram at Lindsay Kirkendall and DM me and let's chat. And I can make sure that you're on the list. So once we launch, you're the first one in. And spell, please. L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, Lindsay with an E, and then Kirkendall is phonetic. So it's K-I-R-K-E-N-D-A-L-L, Kirk and all. There you go. All right. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for, uh, first of all, for making that course. I think that's, I don't know that I've seen that out there. I mean, I've seen a bunch of people that have courses on how to get your music here or there or you know how to get it synced how to market how to yeah there's lots of yeah uh-huh. there's a there's a boatload of those and i'm sure that that's involved in your course but also this is like business uh, how to set up your business you know how, how to be a business person and here's the tools that you're going to need to do that yeah. and you've got yeah you've got to think about it is it spending money or is it an investment yeah uh in in what you're going to do because sometimes that changes i mean i have overhead i got uh employees, you know, like uh, that are really private contractors, but still they get money from me every single month. It's a lot. And, um, it's worth it, you know, um, to, to get done what we get done. So I have anyway, guys, yeah, (laughs) 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 you got interned. Um, so, Hey guys, this is, uh, this brings us to the end of another killer climb episode. We'll get some links out to you once the program launches, and uh, will you be doing affiliate programs with that, Lindsay? Absolutely. Well, that's what Brent and I will do then. Because yes. <laughs> we, we run businesses too. Because yes. <laughs> if it don't make dollars, yeah. it don't make sense. Also, also, if I can just like bring one last little piece into it is I really feel like, because you mentioned us being on the mothership, and I feel like there's, there is this small group of people that are creating a new ecosystem for artists where it's like kind of for artists by artists, you know, mm-hmm. and like Johnny, you're in the business world now, but you're an artist, Brent, you aren't an artist, but you're a songwriter. So you're also an artist. Yeah. Yes. You know I mean, like there, it's really like, how do we get to take back our power and create something that works for the artist and for the creative? And so, yeah, like let's all make money for sure, but let's also create something better together yeah and, and on that note like let's wrap it up with that uh, amazing interview from that jimmy Ivine did uh over a year ago when he was like congratulations artists you've won you have the power now you have the power now it's no longer the artist's worry to it's no longer their problem to be concerned about how to make more money for the label or how to make more money for the digital service provider like spotify it's spotify's problem and the label's problem now to figure out how they can add more value to that artist or they will be left behind okay so there you go there you have it take that put that in your pipe and smoke it all right so listen guys uh, you know we're available for consulting here go to info at daredevilproduction.com and put in consulting in the subject line we'll get something on the books and also download the free informational pdf 21 biggest reasons you don't have more fans and how to fix it at giftfromjohnny.com j-o-h-n-n-y it's free just Go there, click on that, tell us where to send it, and we'll get it to you. And this is going to help unpack some of the stuff we started talking about at the top of this call, where if you're thinking about it from a broadcast platform methodology, you're going to be shoving square blocks into round holes for the rest of your life. Like, you're going to have to learn how to pivot, and this will help you sort of untie that rope. Uh, This podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.